Sorry to interrupt the usual beginning to this podcast, but I need your help. You see, we're coming to the end of this series of God's glorious grace. We've almost completed the section of Ephesians 1 that we set out to journey through. And to mark this special occasion, we would love to have a final episode interacting with you, the listener at home. I'm sure we've said all sorts of things that made you stop and think, maybe wonder if we were right, maybe we've got you questioning something, and we would love to have your contribution to the conversation for a final rounding off episode. So if you have a question or something to add to the conversation, we'd love for you to get in touch. Podcast at hopeharrogate.co.uk is the email address that you need. Please do let us know your thoughts. But for now, here's the usual beginning. Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. You know, the very fact that we believe is a gift from God. We didn't come up with faith. That, that, in fact, it makes us realise how poor we are. You know, we couldn't believe without the gift of faith. <laughs> we couldn't be born again without the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is saying, well, actually, without him, you can't, you can't live. Hey, if Jesus is on the earth and you wanted to get some time with him, like you joined the queue of 2.3 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been to Alton Towers in the summer. It's really long queues. It's, only cool. it's three hours because there's a few thousand. But if Jesus yeah. is on the earth, you join him in an enormous queue. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of God's Glorious Grace. We are almost at the end of our section of Ephesians chapter one, looking at God's glorious grace at work in the lives of believers. And today we hit uh, into the most obvious statement in this section about the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to begin by diving in and reading the the second half of this chapter. No, it's not the second half of chapter one. It's the second half of the first part of chapter one. And uh, and as always, (laughs) chapter one's long, right? It is. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my good friends, Rachel and Mark. Hi, guys. Hi, Anne. We are still confined to the virtual world of Zoom as we endure the final stretch of the UK lockdown. And, uh, and Rachel is going to read for us this morning from Ephesians chapter one. Over to you, Rach. Right, here we go. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Fantastic. Thank you. And we're taking on a a rather lengthy chunk, I guess, in today's episode. It's when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit 
guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. And next time out, we'll look at what it is to be God's possession. Uh, But we could take perhaps an episode for every phrase uh, through that sentence, but we're going to attempt them all at once because we're feeling confident. Now we're experienced pros at this. And uh, and so we are going to do what we always do. We're going to look at what it teaches us about God in the first half and then how we live that out in our lives in the second. Uh, Those are the categories we're trying to stick to in our conversation. Uh, And I guess I just want to frame the conversation briefly to begin by saying we are charismatic as a church and the three of us will believe in uh, the baptism of the spirit being filled with the spirit in our lives but that isn't what's being spoken about here this is the universal work of the holy spirit in the life of everyone that god has called whether you've ever put your hands in the air uh, spoken in tongues, fall to the floor or seen angels walking around the room or not. This is, if you're a believer in Jesus, this has happened in your life by the power of the spirit. And we want to be super clear about that. So whether you agree with us on our charismatic beliefs or not, we do agree on what this is talking about, which is that the Holy Spirit has done something significant in the lives of everyone that God has called. So that said, what does this tell us about God? Anyone like to kick us off? Well, I, I've been waiting for this uh, this one because I'm really <laughs> quite excited uh, by it. Um, and uh, the fact that we get the time to speak about the Holy Spirit and uh, what his amazing work is. Um, but when you look at the context, it's interesting how Paul has started with the God, with God the Father uh, and his role. And then he's spoken uh about what Jesus' role uh, is in our salvation and our Christian life. And and now he comes to the Holy Spirit. So the first thing it it tells me uh, about God is is that God is a God of grace right the way through. However we cut God. Now, we know that God is one person and he's revealed himself in these three ways. But it it is important for us to see that actually every facet of who God is is drenched in grace and grace Express. So for me, it's very exciting that we get the chance to talk, as I say, about the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. And it's, yeah, the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, this is Alpha Holy Spirit Weekend Away Session 1.1. Holy Spirit is God. He's not the outsourced contractor that God used to do something in people. God himself has come to us. Uh, So when we're talking about the Spirit does, we are answering the question of, what does this tell us about God? Yes, so helpful. Rach, any introductory thoughts? Well, for me, I I love this idea of the of the sequence of the Godhead to me. So there's like the Father and His heart is for us, and then He sent Jesus, and then Jesus was like, "You really want me to go away because there's 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 a part of God that." is coming that is going to be really excited and I really need to get out of the way for this. And I just love this constant um, movement that, that God himself felt it was important for us to have access to all the bits of, of him. And I, I find that really powerful uh, when, when Jesus says, look, I just can't tell you everything that I need to tell you right now. I'm going to go because the person who's going to, the, the, the part of God that I don't want to say part of God, but the, the, the expression of God that is going to help you walk this out every day and is going to whisper to you truth every day of your life is coming. And you need to get ready for that. And that promised coming 
of of this of this access to 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 God, I just find so powerful and exciting. And um, I think it 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 reinforces as a as a kid and growing up, this idea of the Trinity always sort of becomes a and not quite sure how to engage with it. You know, there's so many different parts and I know so many people pray to different parts of God, you know, like that's like a Christian conversation. <laughs> Who do you pray to most? You know, like as if there are three different ones, but I think we all in some ways resonate with a different part of, of, of the Trinity. And I, I think um, the Holy Spirit to me is, is so wonderful. And I just love that there's this almost trumpeting of him coming in this verse. I love that, Rachel, that that verse, because that verse where Jesus says it is to your advantage that I go away. And he's speaking it to his disciples, uh, probably wider than the 12. But you can imagine them scratching their heads thinking, hey, this is all our Christmases. This is all. They didn't know about Christmas. <laughs> but but, but that, that, this, is, this is everything. This is party, party, party that we've been through. And now you're saying that you're going and Jesus even says, I know your hearts are sorrowful, but it is to your advantage. And, and I think in there is, is a real, you know, flashing light at us about the importance of the work uh, of, of the Holy spirit. And I know we were laughing earlier, but I, I am amazed, you know, we, we, we do talk about the wonder of Christ coming and him suffering for our sin, but the Holy spirit, has the job then to live inside of, uh, of us. And as I was saying earlier, I, I sometimes don't like living inside of me, and yet the Holy Spirit has got me for, for many, many years. I, I got saved when I was eight. I'm now yeah. in the 60s. And so for, for pushing 55-plus years, the Holy Spirit <laughs> has had to live inside of Mark Hewitt. And um, I find that amazing. Uh, and, and yet without him, God would not be real. He is the one who makes the manifest presence of God real to us. He's, he is the one that Jesus said would take all that is of me and make it known to you. He's the one that shapes Christ in me. He is the sanctifier of, of my life. He is the encourager. He is the one who, who convicts me of my sin. And he is amazing, but he is God. And, and, and I think sometimes we, 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 because we talk of spirit, we think of a, something in the mist, we something, but we mm. forget actually God is spirit. Yeah. He is spirit. He, he is invisible. God is invisible, made visible through Christ, of course. But uh, so I, I, I think that, that that is, as I say, a real flash, flashing light to this. No, it's to your advantage. Mm. I'm going to give you another one who is like me. God himself living in us is, is a wonderful, wonderful reality, not just a theory, a theological discussion that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Yeah. And I think it's interesting listening to your language. I think sometimes we, in the way that we talk about the Holy Spirit, it has become, a, the Holy Spirit has become a substance or a sort of a sense or a wave, you know, a sort of intangible thing rather than, than, the very expression of the personality and heart and being of God. And uh, I know some people then take out the, the, and then sort of name Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit's name and sort of talk about, you know, Father God, Jesus and Holy Spirit. So they'll be talking about Holy Spirit was doing this and Holy Spirit was doing that because they dropped the, the article to, to reinvigorate in their own minds, the sort of, I don't want to say personhood, but the, yes. the, the heart of, of that is God himself, not just a, 
not just the aura of, of God. And I think it's really easy sometimes to dismiss the Holy Spirit as, as something vague and impersonal rather than the very heart being of expression of God. Yeah. And I think, you know, just picking up on this process the whole way through, Jesus is with the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Right, John's like, he, he blows on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Even when Jesus was with them in the flesh, they still needed the Holy Spirit. And uh, and I think, you know, it's easy to wish Jesus was still walking the earth today, isn't it? You know, if only Jesus was still walking the earth, this would be so much easier. But Jesus, and we see the global global vision of God in this step of going, Jesus saying, I have to go so that the Spirit can come because Hey, if Jesus is on the earth and you want to get some time with him, like you join the queue of 2.3 billion people, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I've been to Alton Towers in the summer. It's really long queues. It's, <laughs> like it's three hours because there's a few thousand. But if Jesus yeah. is on the earth, you join him in an enormous queue. But yeah, in, in the wisdom of God, he's gone, there is a way of doing this that is far greater um, in terms of being able to see the entirety of humanity reached. And that's the heart of God. And he's patient, desiring that none should perish, but all come to repentance. And that requires the spirit to come and the spirit to be able to work in each and every human being, man, woman, and child. Um, brilliant. And, and, so, and Sorry. Uh, no. I was going to say, and, and of course, though we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit with us, we, we can forget, of course, that Jesus, in laying aside his glory and his majesty, needed the Holy Spirit to, to do what the Father was asking him to do. So we get this extraordinary passages, don't we, where he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And then in Luke, it says that the Holy Spirit was present to heal. Yeah, oh, okay. And so, so as Jesus, so, so us, Jesus modelled life in the Spirit. He, he modelled for us what he was then investing in us. It wasn't that Jesus came and lived in a different way, but actually he modelled what it was to live by the Spirit. Now, obviously, Jesus didn't need sanctification. He didn't, he didn't need conviction of sin. Wonderfully, that, that's extraordinary. But when he, Jesus says, you know, I only do what I see the Father doing and I only uh, say what I hear the Father saying, that was through the agency of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was was with him. And I think that's that's very helpful to us. It's because we've talked about our elevation to sonship and daughterhood in Christ, that we have the same access as Jesus, that we live to live like Jesus, to be Christ-like. Actually, Jesus lived out of and in the relationship with the Holy Spirit. I think that's that, that's just a, that's when we talk about God and, and what does this tell me about God? It tells me that Jesus, as God in his in his humanity, needed the Holy Spirit to do all that he did. And that's ever so exciting for us because it opens that door of that wonderful word, infinitude of what we can, <laughs> we, we can come up with and, and we can live our lives. Otherwise, Christ likeness is boxed into into human capacity. But actually, the Holy Spirit makes Christ-likeness unlimited in terms of um, the nature and character of Christ and the nature and character yeah. of God. Otherwise, being holy and blameless is literally a label on, on the board. Uh, but the Holy Spirit helps us to live holy and blameless. And just in that one, I love the Ezekiel prophesy. 
prophecy, you know, the Holy Spirit within you, I'm going to put a new spirit in you who will move you to keep my commandments. I think that's just extraordinary. Oh, how do I how do I live in holiness? Actually, I have an engine in me now who moves me towards the keeping of God's commandments. Yeah. So I think those things just emphasize the value and the importance of understanding who the Holy Spirit and living with him, talking to him, inviting him uh, in and being learning to be sensitive to him. You know, I I think I love what you said, Rachel, that don't reduce him to a wave and a feeling. and, and, And no, he is the essence of God. He is the substance of God in us. Yeah. Um, and does real things in us as well. This is this is not flaky and fluffy and and misty. You know, it is actually Brilliant. real real substance. Should we take a moment just to enjoy the word again? Infinititude. Infinititude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's infinititude. Our next series. That's what we're going to call it. Um, Mark, you've started uh, talking about the different things the Holy Spirit has done in our lives towards our salvation that that Paul is drawing on here in Ephesians 1. And there's several powerful words, I guess, significant words in this verse that show us something of what the Holy Spirit has done for all believers. Um, So you've got the word seal, you've got promised, you've got deposit, guaranteeing. um, And we've we've started to, to touch on those um, sort of in the uh, gushing of conversation around who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he does. Shall we zone in and, you know, what is revealed in these words about, uh, let's try and uh, specify it, get specific in terms of this is what the Holy Spirit has done in the life of believers from this verse. So I don't know, should we, should we go through briefly each of those words and offer a few, sure. few thoughts on them? Should we, should we start with marked? It's the one I didn't say in the list I just did, but that's the first one as you work through the verse. Uh, I read it again whilst I was speaking. Two things at once. Thank you very much. Um, what, what are we seeing in this word marked in terms of what God is like and what he's done? Well, at the time in, in Ephesus, it was a, a, a trade, a big trading center. And so there was a lot of this, this center concept of of having something and needing to get it someplace. <laughs> and so when you uh, purchase something, when you bought something, when you own something, then you put on it your seal, your your mark that says this belongs to me. And therefore, not just for you to remember that you purchased it, like when Amazon packages come, like, do I buy this? I did. I must have. Um, uh, but it was something that you would then send it. You'd send it to Reb, you'd send it to someplace else. You, you, you send it. It was it was for everybody to see that this thing now is mine. And for anyone who can who can recognize it, I had the same seal for ages. The people who other belong to me can see that it belongs to me. This this was now claimed. This was not an unclaimed item. This has been claimed and therefore has all the protections of me uh, upon it. And so for me, that that idea of being marked isn't isn't just like a you know, a stamp on your forehead that says mine, it comes with protection and rights and guarantees of this is, this is belonging. There's a deep sense of, of belonging and for a lifetime, you know, beyond a lifetime, it, it is significantly changed from where it was to where it is now uh, because it belongs to me. Yeah. Which is an amazing thought, isn't it? That God has so decided to mark me as his, 
um, forever. And we've obviously we've moved into understanding seal as well because that's what we're marked with. And no, it's fine because of course they're interlinked, aren't they? Uh, and it saves us a job because we've got a lot of words to get through and not a lot of time. Uh, I mean, one that we were talking before, one of the um, pitfalls in a sense of three white middle-class Western people talking about the concept of being marked with a seal is this hasn't, um, doesn't affect us in a way it can affect many other people whose heritage is actually their ancestors were marked with seals. And, um, and it's worth, I guess, just touching on that and saying, although we're sitting here going, it would be amazing to be marked like that. Actually, it was very traumatic and deeply scarring for many people in history to have been marked this way. Um, the difference, of course, comes both in the character of the one who's marking uh, and the decision. Because you know, I wasn't walking along the street one day and God went, oi, and marked me uh, with, you know, completely involuntarily. Uh, yes. We were talking before about the example of Paul um, choosing uh, to use the language of um, a servant willingly subscribed to work for a master mark you had some thoughts on sort of the the imagery there that, that's kind of helpful yeah so if you go back into ancient history uh, jewish history particularly um there was this whole thing of um the the year of jubilee this the seven times seventh the 49th year year of jubilee where all slaves had to be returned uh, to free men and free people but a, a slave could say but i love my master i love what i am doing and, and would surrender his right to freedom. And what they would do is put his ear against a, a doorpost uh, or a piece of wood, and they would get an awl, and they would knock a hole, pierce the ear uh, of that person. But, and what that said was this was a, a, a willing choice that I, I want to be a part of this family. This, this master is my master. Uh, and, and it was actually a sign of affection, um, that I did not want my freedom. This is a, this is a winning thing. Yes. And so when Paul starts Romans, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, he's saying, you know, I have put my ear against the doorpost. I've chosen to do that. I am a, you know, a willing slave of Christ. Um, and that's therefore quite different to the historic slave trade where you were yes. kidnapped and hauled off across the ocean from your home. Um we may well dive into that a bit more, I guess, in the next episode in terms of God's possession, but helpful to clarify. Do we want to talk about promise a little bit? Uh, we've talked can about just say something prophecy. About, can I just, just... Please do. Sorry, can we just go back to that marking? Because we, we, we've talked about it from God's perspective, haven't we? Uh, as if God's going to lose track of us. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not a tracker. <laughs> You know, there's there's how many billion Christians on the earth, and and, and God needs a tracking device to, to know to know. So so the, the marking with a seal is important to us as well because we're not inanimate. You know, we were talking about goods being shifted and documents and what have you. So that this marking of a seal has a profound impact impact on on who actually is a deeply profound thing for us and it's a guarantee we're going to come to the promise and guarantee but it's it it, it, it isn't inanimate it, it is a, it's a real uh, thing that that actually is there for our comfort and our assurance and and i think um that that's really important but it's not only that there are other people looking in for whom this is 
so for, for Satan, this is a mark. Whoa, no, they don't belong to me anymore. They've been marked. They, they, the blood of Jesus is on them. The Holy Spirit is in them. Uh, and of course, to, to the world, one trusts that that mark of the Holy Spirit has an, a, an impact, an influence into the lives of those that yet to know Jesus. Mm, it's good. It's helpful. Really helpful. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking about, you know, which delivery company God must use that means that he needs the tracking system. You know? <laughs> anyway, anyway, we won't get there. Otherwise, we might get um, a letter from some solicitors if we out the worst delivery companies that we've dealt with. Um, the, it's easy to skip over the, the idea that the Holy Spirit is promised. Um, we've already referenced one of the key prophetic words in the Old Testament in terms of the word from Ezekiel, which is, I'm going to put a new spirit in you and uh, and imagine having that promised, but not getting to see it fulfilled. You're like, oh, I would love that. Um, what do we learn about God from the fact that the Holy Spirit was promised and is now given? Faithful. What he says he will do. It's wonderful. Yes. And he, perhaps he's not making it up as he goes along. It was eternal plan. I always feel quite smug on the other end of it because I get to be the I get to be the person who gets to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. But there were people who cried out for it and longed for it for centuries and never got to experience the joy that we have. And I think I often take it so for granted that is just part of normal normal life with God is, you know, you yeah. come into relation with him, you're filled with him. So, you know, he guides you, he comforts you, he, he whispers to you, he transforms you, you know, all of that stuff that I take for granted when I have the work of the spirit within me. And when I read these promises in the Old Testament, I, it to me speaks of who he is as a faithful God who said, I'm bringing this, he does. But I am also just struck by how often people were still waiting for God's promise and were part of his grand story rather than, getting to be the ones to benefit from that promise. And yet so many, you know, heroes in scripture were saying it's coming. And I believe that. And uh, how often my belief for God's promises is about four weeks. And then I'm like, <laughs> done. <laughs> uh, and this, this sense of, of being grateful that I exist in this time and space uh, to be the benefit of this promise of God. But, you know, how many more, more things has he said that may be for my children or my grandchildren uh this ever-expanding love and power yes and that feeds the i guess the last two words that you can tie together the deposit guaranteeing because although we do live in the fulfillment of thousands of years of promise that many people you know, prayed for every week faithfully on the sabbath waiting for the promise of god to be fulfilled we now although we've received Many of the fulfillments, we wait faithfully day after day, waiting for uh, the guarantee of something else. And um, I think I was just incredibly struck trying to think about language around what, because guarantee, like a guarantee is like a warranty, isn't it? If this breaks, I'll fix it. <laughs> and that's not really what what's get, being got at in this in this passage at all. Very good. Um, it's... And I was reading the, the clever people. I was reading John Stott and he was saying, this isn't an engagement ring because you can still legitimately break it off after an engagement ring. He said, this is far more like the deposit that you pay for your house. You know, 
you've already invested significantly and the person you're giving it to gets to use that and it's the promise that you're going to keep giving and keep giving until it's all given and um, isn't that an incredible thing to understand about god's involvement with us i'm sure we could keep talking about this topic um but we've fulfilled part one i think here in terms of what this tells about god and so it must be time for some half-time oranges and today we're going to mark yes yes so the last 18 months perhaps two years have been marked by this whole thing of fake news so i'm going to pitch adam and i'm going to pitch rachel against each other so i want you to vote uh what is um fake and what is not and uh what I'll, I'll probably do is give you three each. So you're not going to compete for the same the same one. You'll compete for, for different ones. Okay, okay. And let's see how we go. So let's start with Rachel first, okay? Because okay, I ready. think this is proper for a mother. Okay. okay. Brazilian baby starts walking minutes after birth. Doctors in Santa Cruz Hospital were trying to bathe the newborn baby girl, but she had other ideas and started to wriggle around to walk on her own. One midwife said... If you told people what has just happened, no one would believe it unless they saw it with their own eyes, real or fake. Oh, no way. Fake. No, sorry, that one was real. No, it was not. So here we go. Um, fake or real, Adam? Competitive hobby horsing riding is taking Scandinavia by storm. <laughs> Hundreds of teenage <laughs> girls in Scandinavia are trying their hand at competitive hobby horse riding. The girls ride odd-looking stuffed toy horses, heads on a stick, and the sport, which includes dressage and show jumping, has now attracted more than 10,000 athletes and followers in Finland alone. April saw riders compete in the annual hobby horse championships near Helsinki. Hello to all our Scandinavian listeners. Thanks for joining us. You guys are bonkers. You definitely do hobby horse riding. That is true. Absolutely true. Absolutely. I have seen videos of it. It is amazing. <laughs> I just can't get my head around that. Okay, Rachel. Yes. Here we go. Long haul flight goes ahead despite only carrying one passenger. A long haul flight from Cambodia to Russia went ahead despite only carrying one passenger. The flight was almost cancelled due to having no one on board. When one person bought a last-minute ticket, the solo passenger had an entire flight crew to himself and was also allowed to visit the cockpit and meet the pilots during the flight. True. 100% true. True. No, no that one was not true. That is fake. <laughs> oh. Okay. Adam, dog eats 43 and a half socks. A great Dane in the USA was rushed to the vets after being found vomiting and retching, an x-ray showed a large mass of foreign material inside his stomach. After a two-hour operation, a total of 43 and a half socks were removed from the dog's stomach. Luckily, the greedy pooch made a full recovery. The whereabouts of the half a sock is still unknown. <laughs> it's a lady in a tramp moment, isn't it, with his, with his friend both eating half a sock? True. True. It is true. Yeah. It is true. Here we go. That is a crazy dog. I'm ready. I'm ready for my final one because Adam okay. now has a point. Okay. 
Woman trapped in chimney of man she met online. <laughs> you have to be careful. Without even any more information. <laughs> you have to be careful who you meet online. <clears throat> were the words of a man who had to have a woman removed from his chimney. The pair had been on a few dates, but the man had recently ended their relationship. He had spotted her on his roof before, but she had run away. However, this time she attempted to enter his home through the chimney and had gotten stuck. True. It is true. It is true. It is true. Uh, I know the crazy mind of love. <laughs> Multiple times. That, that he's, he's really locked in on this approach. Okay, Adam, are you going to get a clean sweep or not? Man tries to burn the EU flag in protest and fails due to EU regulations. Oh, I read it. I read this article. It's true. It is true. It is true. He tried to burn it and it didn't burn. That's amazing. Well, Adam, that's very good. A clean sweep. Three. Wow. Oh, I'm not well, sure we might have to play to this again or not. The end of the series, so that Rachel can have a chance to come it's back. True. I need to redeem myself. I need to redeem myself. <laughs> and there wow. are so many questions that arise from each of those instances, aren't there? <laughs> That's <right>. Man alive. <laughs> wow. Start our own line in Valentine's cards for next year. I would get stuck in a chimney for you. <laughs> right. Wow. Let's move on. Part two. Uh, so we have waxed lyrical about the work of the Holy Spirit. We've seen uh, how the activities God has worked in our lives. But what does this mean in our day by day? And I think really the best place to start here is the question that I know many people ask again and again, which is, you know, what about when I doubt? What about when I question if God really has worked in my life, question if I'm actually saved, if I'm a real believer, if this is all true? How does this verse help us um, not to expend lots of energy um, unnecessarily in that place of doubt? I think it is a very real issue. I think uh, I think I would say that all Christians have moments where they go, is this real? Um, I think that is that is human. I think we're in good company. I think uh, the person that comes to mind would be John the Baptist, uh, who had seen Jesus, knew Jesus, uh, finds himself in prison, and he, he inquires, I, "Are you really the one?" Yeah. Uh, and so I think it, I think it's a very valid thing. Obviously, some people get gripped, sadly, uh, with their doubt of their their salvation. Um, uh, and I just, as I say, I think that's uh, that that's probably quite a natural thing. And I think some of our answers might be quite subjective to this, but I do think there is some real biblical basis of things that Jesus said and Paul has said in other places um, that that really help us here. Uh, I think it's just as a starter. I think it's very important that we understand that we are born again by the Spirit of God. That's you know. Um, that means that we're not just into a believism. We don't just believe, 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 but actually something of God has to happen. Uh, there is, there is uh, clear evidence uh, in, in, in our uh, examples from history of men who have believed and believed 
and and then got saved, you know, <laughs> and was and, and and you know even Wesley, you know, who had this belief in God, but actually it wasn't. He said, like, "My heart was strangely warmed walking down Aldersgate Street and knew he was saved." Um, the guy Bunyan, who, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, that was his experience—a very religious man—but then suddenly encountered God and uh, was encountered by God and born again. Billy Bray would be uh, another that comes to mind. So, uh, you know, I think we start with—we we must start with the biblical uh, basis of this. Um, and, and I love what Jesus said. We've already talked about John 14, but in John John 14. Um, what verse is it? Uh, John 14, 17, he says, uh, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So actually, Jesus said, no, you will know him. There is a reality to being born again because the spirit of God's come into you. No, you, you will know him. So there is Jesus saying, no, there is evidence. There is assurance which is this deposit guaranteeing this mm. assurance that comes because the Holy Spirit has, has come in you. Rachel, how have you broached this topic with parents in the world of parenting for faith? And how, how would you talk about this with, with children and families? For me, I think this, I think we all, you know, as Mark was saying, we all sort of hit this mark. And I think for us um, and how I describe it often we question it when we get, begin to look at ourselves. So when I when I look at myself, I go, "Gosh, I'm completely unworthy of God being faithful to me. I, I, He must be annoyed with me. He must, you know." And as soon as I put my eyes on my worthiness to be, oh, you know, marked to be to belong to a God who who loves and is faithful, that is when I begin to doubt because the doubt becomes about myself, not about the nature of God. And so for, for us, when I talk to, to families, when I talk to kids about this, I, I talk about how if we look at ourselves, we begin to see all the reasons why God should walk away from us or why it should not be happening. When we look at him, we see that he is loving beyond all things. We see um, who the nature of who he is and all of his promises and think, gosh, I I am I am safe and secure because of who he is, not because of who I am. And I think that's it's that it's that teaching us how to remove our eyes from that of, of noticing and equipping families to notice when I'm when I'm too focused on myself and not focused on who he is. Clearly, the uh, the apostles were addressing some of this as well in their writings. Um, so, you know, we've talked wonderfully about adoption, that the Holy Spirit comes into our heart crying Abba Father, there is there is a reality of the outworking of the Holy Spirit that was clearly absent before we were saved. Uh, or one of those is the 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 uh, expression of love, of worship uh, towards a God who actually we we were far from, and we we had no inner desire. There's something happens to our insides, and 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 Paul uh, writing. Uh, to the to the Romans says for his spirit that's the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit that actually affirms to us no we are children of God and so I think you're right Rach I think when we look inside ourselves or look to ourselves no that that's not helpful but actually when I feel am I uncertain God actually we call out to the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit one of your works is to affirm 
uh, with my spirit mm-hmm. that I'm a child of God. Would you would you help me in this moment? Cause me to to understand and know again uh, that that love. So so I think that there are these realities. They are actual realities of the experience of knowing that are not just features of feelings. And I think, though this is very much tied up with feelings, I mean, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones put it like this. He said, you know, um, why do you question whether a person will shake or fall down with the Holy Spirit? He said, crumbs, we shake and we shake and wobble when we have a temperature, when we've got a virus. Now we're talking about God coming into Mm. us. And, And he was expressing the reality that actually, if Almighty God has come into us as the Holy Spirit, it is going to have a material effect on on who we are and actually on how we feel, and 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 and, and that is true. Yeah, that is true. I think what happens sometimes is is people if, if people feel that they don't feel it, I don't feel you know the Holy Spirit. I haven't felt Him come close. I'm going through a period where I feel disconnected. That's when you begin to to doubt that's when you begin to feel that all of that comfort that I'm used to feeling all the guidance that used to be clear all of the work of the Holy Spirit within me that I I remember experiencing I no longer I'm experiencing a point where I'm struggling to connect with that and that I think often becomes a question mark and and for me I think I often assure people that when I look at who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works it's constantly growing and changing there's so many different facets to the Holy Spirit and so therefore it just just the sense of it used to feel like this and now it doesn't feel like this is not where we then should read into oh no i've you know i've messed something up because it isn't how it was before mm-hmm. and i think sometimes we we can imp- feel that god has left us or that we've fallen out of mm-hmm. this this moment and really what we're just missing is that connection that that reconnection that hearing god's voice that that moment of of how we experience this relationship rather than are we questioning the actual seal upon us. Yeah. And and that feeds into the thing of um, how we can view God's work in our life. So sometimes we think, oh, we got the 100% pure thing given to us. And now my job is I've got to protect this and not lose it. And, you know, getting it knocked. And, and so then when we feel like it's changed, we're like, oh, no, I've lost something. Whereas if you see it more like the, a lifelong marriage, <laughs> well you you get something but then you grow in it and and you do you discover new realms and uh, new ways of relating and and god knows uh, the things that we need to grow into and they can feel very unnatural um and abnormal at first uh, and god leads us in those places because he wants to present as mature and complete and uh, i think if you have a view where you're constantly growing <clears throat> that helps you deal with those moments where you go, this isn't how it was. And it doesn't really feel like I think it should. It's actually a step of growth rather than a, oh no, I've lost something. And um, perspective matters a lot. Um, The other thing that jumped out to me, I think it's worth dwelling on this question because I think it is one of the chief questions that comes in terms of how this impacts our lives is that this is also a corporate promise. It's yes. not just personal and individual. This isn't Adam Price believed. Adam Price was marked with a, a Holy Spirit that was promised just to Adam Price. It is a deposit just for me guaranteeing my personal thing. No, it's the, the Spirit was promised to all of God's people. And the same Spirit that is in me is in you. And there's, uh, again, 
similar to when we look at ourselves rather than God, <clears throat> we're looking in the wrong place in the same way when it's just me and I get isolated um, and other people don't know where I am and I close it off and I'm not living an open life with people who can speak in and encourage. That's again where I can end up in this place of going, oh, no, is it is it real? Whereas when I'm living an open life and I'm honest about how I'm feeling, others can say, well, I've seen you change in front of my eyes over the five years that I've known you. I've seen the work of God and there's this and there's this, which we're utterly blind to a lot of the time because we forget what we were like or overestimated how good we were five years ago. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> more like laws and our problems. And, uh, and so living in community, joined and united by really the powerful. Spirit. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, we, we overestimate where we were, don't we, a lot of the time, I think. That's what, what I was trying to say. But having loved ones around us who share the same spirit can speak in and go, no, although you're feeling like, you haven't seen God work in your life. Let me tell you some ways I've seen God work in your life, being faithful to his promise. And that can mean the world to us when we're feeling low and unworthy, as you were saying, Rachel. Yeah. Um, we, we need our brothers and sisters who are set part of the same promise to adjust our focus from time to time. And we need to do likewise for them. Yeah. And it also leads us to something as well about this thing of having been born again, by the spirit of God and then partnering with God as we go forward. So sometimes those doubt comes because I've been passive. Uh, and, and I think that's where uh, Peter into Peter writes, you know, add to your faith uh, the, these things because faith, you know, the very fact that we believe is a gift from God. We didn't come up with faith. That, that, in fact, it makes us realize how poor we are. You know, we couldn't believe without the gift of faith. <laughs> We couldn't be born again without the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is saying, well, actually, without him, you can't you can't live. But we do cooperate. This isn't that now um, because it is relationship. I think that whole thing of marriage is very, very helpful picture that 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 we grow in our love. Our, our love is much deeper. It feels different sometimes, but our, our love is much deeper. Um, but, you know, he, he talks about you know, making our elections secure. For this reason, make every effort to add to your life. Now, that's not us um, becoming pharisaical and having a list of things that we uh, uh, work with. But what it is saying is, no, I cooperate with the Holy Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, the Christ-likeness. It's fruit. It's going to grow. It's going to take time. So I think that's where the community thing, Adam, is absolutely essential, that people can say, actually, no, didn't you realize you were like that, but you're now like this. And that's wonderful. But there is a role for us to uh, engage with the Holy Spirit, talking to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, being convicted by the Holy Spirit so that actually we can then grow. Uh, and, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, and and I, I, we either overestimate or underestimate it depends whether you're a half full or half empty person. But the reality is, is that there is a difference in character. I'll just give you a quick example. So my eldest, Ruth, she got saved when she was five at a Christmas carol service. And at the end of that carol service, uh, Norman, who was leading the service, asked if anybody wanted to give their lives to Jesus, put their hand up. And she, bless her, put her hand up. Um, and uh, he spent a little bit of time talking to her, but she was five. And so 
uh, as parents, we did not uh, make a huge amount of it. We, we loved on her, uh, but we didn't say anything to anybody else because, you know, this was a young child. Anyway, over Christmas, my parents came to stay with us. And about the second or third day in, my mum came to me and said, oh, what's the matter with Ruth? And I was thinking, oh, so what have you seen? She said, there is a peace about her that is unbelievable. What mm. has happened? And Ruth was a delightful child. It wasn't that she was unpeaceful, but she had detected this radical change. Uh, and she was. She was a wonder. And in fact, I'd go say she's a wonderful woman now as well. You know, 30, well, I'm 37 <laughs> years on, I think, with you. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's wonderful. But it's interesting how it needed another who knew her to say something's different in you. Mm. What is different about you? Actually, what is different? Jesus had radically come into her life as a five-year-old and she was born again. And yeah. without trying or, or anything, there was a, a, a quality of peace about her that perhaps as parents living with her, we hadn't noticed, but someone coming in who hadn't seen her for four, three months or something was going, hey, she's different. She's different. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? I, and, yeah. and I think these are the things why we need community, because we need that, that encouragement of one another to build us up in our faith. No, I, I am his. Well, we say we need community, but I think that that places a responsibility upon us, I think, to think communally about this, because one, that means that is part of living with the Holy Spirit, a requirement of authenticity and vulnerability with each other. Is that not personality, but actually a requirement of the Christian life? Uh, and on the other hand, do we bear responsibility to speak into each other's lives, to value and not feedback, but to, to voice the change we've seen and to you know, hold a mirror up to each other and say, this is remarkable. And Peter Scazzario, in one of his books, The Emotional Healthy Man, um, <laughs> talks about in, the, in their group structures, getting people to talk about their timeline. Because it's very easy to encounter someone and think, oh, gosh, where, where are they? But when we've seen where they've come from, when we know what they've walked through, you go, you're an ex amazing trophy of grace. Yeah. You're going to be on display. God, God, love. This is amazing what God has done, uh, and, and I think that's that. That again is important that we don't rush to judgment uh, about people when we encounter them who say, "No, I, 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 I found Jesus, uh, and Jesus has saved me." Actually, knowing that journey, the fact that they're actually physically standing up for some people, I go, "Goodness, I don't know how you physically stand when I hear your journey, what you've been through." You are now a rational, sound person in mind and body because Jesus saved you, and 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 that's extraordinary. And I, and I yeah. so I think the community aspect of of being one another, being with one another, and being for one another like that is really important. Yeah, and I think that I, th I think I often find people people really want community. They want people to do that for them, <clears throat> but the reality is that you know I think Rachel, you just used the word responsibility. Like if you want people to do this for you, you have to be proactive and cooperate in that process. And it's it's about asking for, you know, asking for help and asking for people's input and offering uh, your own encouragement to other people. You've got to, in a sense, contribute to the creation of the community that you're looking for. 
And this is a key part of, of living life secure in the love of God. Is it you know, Nikki Gumbel on, on Alpha? Second mention of the session, so get some royalties from somewhere. Uh, but he talks about that, you know, the story of someone doubting their faith and going to sit with someone who's older and there's a roaring fire there. And, uh, and the, the person just gets the tongs and takes the coal out of the roaring fire and puts it on the hearth and it goes cold and dim. And then he picks it back up and puts it back in and it catches back on fire and contributes to the fire. And there is this sense of, you know, we have to be participating in that community to maintain this kind of life. And so what does this verse mean for, for our everyday lives? I mean, many things we've touched on all sorts as we've gone through. But, you know, one key part is sharing in this corporate um, corporate possession of the spirit in our lives, um, undoubtedly. I think that's such a helpful uh, conversation and a journey through this topic I think may well be one of our longer episodes but well worth it and Mark would you pray for us as we as we finish this time together please Father we just continually standing awe of who you are as God and the extraordinary detail in plan and preparation promise and purpose for salvation of our souls that just does take our breath away that you even came and 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 yet beyond the coming and that the act of salvation of, of the death and resurrection of jesus you have chosen to deposit yourself within us because you knew that without you being in us we could not live this life of the spirit. And I thank you. We are not under law. We're not under a, a, a transactional uh, rule set, a contract. But we've stepped into this relationship where the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, for everyone listening, everyone who catches this podcast, that you would be gracious and merciful and make known the realities of who you are in an increased and clear way that we would be those who do live by the spirit that are in step with the spirit that are filled with the spirit that have the joy of your fruit holy spirit in us growing and multiplying and blessing those around us so we thank you for god we thank you that uh, your grace has been extended to us with the giving of the Holy Spirit. We, we are just, yeah, we, we, it takes our breath away what you have done and what you continue to do. And that actually, Holy Spirit, you'll be with us right through to the end, making known the presence of God to us. We love it. We thank you. And we pray for more understanding, more of you in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mark. What a great time together. Yeah. Yet again. Next week, we move to our penultimate episode in this series looking at the phrase God's possession. We hope you can join us. Uh, thank you for joining us today. If you found this helpful in any way, shape, or form, we would love for you to point someone that uh, you think would also find this helpful in the direction of this podcast you could do that by sending on a link or by leaving us a review preferably 
five stars, but whatever you think, you know, you would give it. And, uh, and we look forward to having you with us as we continue this journey through. So for now, goodbye. Bye.